0: Hello, and welcome to Growth Path. I'm your host, Michelle Tandler. Our guest for this coaching session is Catherine Stewart. Over the past decade, Catherine has held senior leadership roles in companies like Facebook, Random House, and Automatic, the company behind WordPress. Most recently, she was COO of Shippo, a shipping logistics company. In this session, we are going to talk about how to onboard employees with a special focus on remote onboarding. We'll talk about why this skill set is so important in setting up an employee for success, some of the challenges that managers face in getting their employees ramped and integrated into a team, and what the goals should be for those first few critical weeks. We go over some of the unique challenges presented by Remote Work, tactics to support success in early projects and team integration, and ways you can support the employee to make sure they are tracking towards a timely ramp up. Lastly, we have a mini deep dive on onboarding documents, going over what they can include, and how you can create a replicable process for future hires. I found this conversation absolutely fascinating, and I hope you will too. Let's dive in. This episode is called How to Onboard Remote Employees. We've been talking about this episode a long time. Catherine, great to have you back as a teacher for this topic.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks, Michelle.
0: All right. So before we dig in, let's talk about why we're doing this episode. Now, Catherine, you've been a real advocate for this topic. And I think I've been holding back a bit, um, like, oh, do we really want to cover this? And you've said, no, this is really important. Maybe to kick us off, can you share why we're talking about onboarding remote employees?
1: Sure. I think that onboarding is one of the more important moments when you're introducing an employee to a company and the company to that employee and making sure that they're set up for success. And it is harder in a remote environment. And we are moving into a world where remote is not only very common, but often the default, and it's here to stay. And I think that is making a lot of these processes more complicated and requiring much tighter processes for how to onboard your employees. And so I think it is worth talking about.
0: Mm -hmm. Are you hearing a lot from your consulting clients that they're struggling with this?
1: I am. And I'm also hearing it from my peers. So I'm hearing that a lot of people who have been used to working in in in-person environments are really struggling to make sure that their teams are building the right social connections in the early days, meeting the right people, and learning how things get done in an efficient way. I've also
0: been hearing from friends that they are having sort of an odd experience joining these companies where they might be months into working with people, have never met them in person, have never met their boss, Mm -hmm. um, have to really adjust to this new way of integrating into a company. Onboarding is usually a time when you really connect with your colleagues. You kind of get a feel for the company and the culture. You learn about the norms and you sort of bond with your team. And that's been taken away for so many people. So... I think the goal of this episode is to talk about how you can make remote onboarding as human as possible.
1: Yes, as human as possible and as tight a process as possible, because it is not only a time when your employees can feel lonely and disconnected, but they can also start to drift in the wrong direction. And that's not good for for anyone, and in particular for them. So I think it's really important to make sure that this is a process that people are really being mindful about
0: hmm Maybe it'd be helpful to start with sort of what is onboarding in general and what is the goal of onboarding?
1: So new employees have a lot to learn. They have to learn who the main players are within your company, how things get done in this new company, and they also may be new to your industry as well as certain systems or tools. So making sure that they have everything that they need to be successful and that you're helping them accelerate their learning as much as possible is important.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And now what makes it different to do this remotely versus in person?
1: So interactions that happen naturally and organically between employees don't happen as frequently when you're in a remote environment. You can't shadow, you can't observe, you can't pop over to someone's desk to ask a quick question. So good onboarding and really good almost anything in a remote environment requires more communication and intentionality. What are some of the problems that employees are facing with remote onboarding? I think that it's harder for them to know who to meet, and that's easily solved. But it requires again more intentionality and really thinking through who it is that they should be meeting early, as as their manager. They may be unsure of what's expected of them or how to prioritize their time. They may not know how well they're doing because they get less nonverbal feedback because not seeing them as often. Um, They're more likely to veer off course. Because without peers and managers around, it can take a little bit longer to notice that something isn't going quite the way that you'd like it to, and then to offer that feedback and course correction. So I think all three of those things are things that can make it harder for employees to succeed in the early days.
0: I'd also add, I think there's also this emotional side of things, which I've heard a lot about from friends who are joining companies where they're remote, that they can feel pretty disconnected and find it very hard to make friends. I have friends even now saying things like, I've been at a company for a year and I just don't really have any friends at work. I think that was never the norm before um, remote. So I would imagine also you might be dealing with somebody who's feeling kind of disconnected and lonely.
1: For sure. And actually one of the things I'll do when I'm putting together the list of people that new employees should meet, is thinking through who might live near them so that they can form some of those social bonds, and also who within the company is an influencer and really social and really good at using Slack, and Mm -hmm. so they can have some buddies internally who may or may not be directly work-related, but who can help them feel welcome. At my
0: last company, we had a term for that. It was um, We called them culture warriors. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into some tactics to support onboarding. What
1: do you recommend for a manager who has new hire coming on remotely? So the first is over communication. I really do like to put almost everything that comes to mind in a single document. And I'll prepare that pretty far in advance. So as soon as a person has accepted the offer, and I start thinking about what projects that person might work on, and who they might need to meet, I'll start dropping all of that information into a single Google Doc, and I'll make sure that's organized before that person joins. And I can talk through some of the other aspects that might be in that Doc, but for me, it is this sort of one-stop-shop manual that includes all links to documents that might be helpful background reading for them, to that description of their first few projects, so it's just everything in one place. I'll also think through how I can set them up for success within their team. And that can include making sure that they have some structural support. So if their first project is something that I can easily involve somebody who has been at the company for longer, um, then I'll pair those two people together and make sure that they have incentives to really help each other succeed. And that I think will, that often enables more of this natural information sharing Mm -hmm. to happen as the project's going on. I will do far more check-ins and one-on-ones in the beginning than I will later. So if traditionally I'll be expecting to do one-on-ones once a week or maybe bi-weekly, in the first week, I'll often do them two times a week, maybe three times a week. I'll also include some times when I'll be shadowing them on calls just so that I can give them that early guidance and feedback when it's very natural and also create that cadence where I'm giving them feedback, they expect it, it's not unusual or surprising, and I'm also inviting them to give me feedback too. And then lastly, I'll make sure that I have a pretty good sense of what it is that they might need before they join. So we'll have a pretty open conversation. And if they're new to something that our company uses, like Slack or Google Docs, we've had that happen when we've been hiring people from different industries Mm -hmm. who have other expert information or experience. But some of these things that we might take for granted, they may not have used before. And so I'll then make a list of any training that they might need from HR so they can get set up on those things quickly too. hmm yep, that all makes sense. Can you tell a little more about enlisting
0: the support of the team? Like how do you get someone integrated into a team when they might be in a different time zone, you know, halfway across the world?
1: It's a little tricky. There are a few things that I'll do that are more sort of sociable. And usually you'll be doing team calls anyway, making sure that you're providing a chance for people to get to know each other a little bit outside of work in the context of those calls, or be it by creating separate calls can be helpful. But I really do like to make sure that there are work-related reasons that are happening through the course of each day and week that will tie the team together. Because I think that no matter how many times people are doing virtual (laughs) coffees or beers, it's just not the same as it is in person. So I will make sure that as soon as possible, there can be some sort of in-person interaction and we will plan a team meetup or think about how we can at least get a few people on the team to meet in person, but then also making sure that there are these incentives in terms of projects that people are working on together so that people don't feel very very much like they're working alone or in silos.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That's interesting to even think about having just a portion of the team. Even I could imagine that helping create some team unity. Let's do a little, let's dig a little deeper into that document. I think that's really important. And, um, I have only had this experience once, where I was onboarded into a new role, where I had an absolutely over the top document given to me, it was the most incredible onboarding experience I ever had. This was a very experienced manager, and basically, I showed up. I think the document must have been ten pages long. It had my schedule to the half hour for the next two weeks. Already, <laughs> all my meetings were scheduled with all the different cross functional people that I would need to meet across the company. Um, it had tons of links to relevant documents from the team from the past, company level documents, I think it also included a bunch of information about my first project and what the goals would be, what success would look like, things like that. What what do
1: you usually put in that document? And how much time do you spend putting it together? I usually put at least several hours into the document. And if I'm onboarding multiple people into a similar role, then you can often reuse significant chunks of the document. So it's not necessarily work that you'll have to do every time. Mm -hmm. But it will include a prioritized list of who each person should meet with for their one-on-ones over the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's usually organized by tranches. So in week one, here are the people that we, you know, you should meet with and why. And in week two, who it should be. And then I'll often have my EA, if I am fortunate enough to have one, set up all the meetings in advance for that new employee. So that by the time they join, they have a calendar that's mostly populated with with meetings so that they already have a, a schedule. I've done that for my
0: direct reports in the past, but not with the help of an EA.
1: (laughs) Just (laughs) made a lot of uh, scheduling happen. I'll also include, as I mentioned earlier, anyone who might live near them, who they might want to meet in person. So it's it's a fairly tailored list for each individual. Um, I'll also be thinking through what the first project is that they're working on, and that will influence who's on the list. Um, the second area will be any Slack groups that they should join and how they should engage with those Slack groups. There are often an overwhelming number of Slack groups, particularly in a remote first or a hybrid organization. And so making sure that they know which ones they need to be paying very close attention to and which ones are more um, for social reasons or FYI or um you know, just something just to passively monitor can be helpful too. Mm -hmm. the third category are links to lattice or however else you plan to organize your one on ones. So I do like lattice, but you can also just use a Google Doc, but I do like to have a running list of agenda items and notes from previous one on ones. And that gives a place for people to also drop in any questions they might have for me as the week goes on. Um, Fourth area would be any links to key reading and context for why that matters. So for example, the company strategy, prior board decks, company OKRs, and then as you mentioned earlier, a doc describing the scope of their first project, who they'll be working with on that project, and what success looks like. The last category is one that I think is pretty easy to reuse across different teams and roles, but it's FAQs. So who is on the exec team, what their interactions with those people will be like, who's on the board if they're likely to be presenting to the board, and what their interactions with those board members might look like. Um, Common challenges specific to your company culture and how to handle them. Sometimes it's better for a conversation, but it might also be worth dropping into your doc. Um, When the first performance review will be, what the process looks like, and if they'll qualify for a pay increase or promotion at that time, or if that will come later. Hmm. Um, How often they should expect feedback from you and how they should give you feedback. Really anything that you think is likely to be on their mind whether they'll feel comfortable articulating it or not, is a contender for what you might want to drop in and just tell them about very early. Mm -hmm. What about team norms? Is that something that you would include in a doc or do you usually do that in a team meeting? Great question. I usually do that in a team meeting um, and I will take notes and whenever there's a new member to the team, um, I'll usually have a new team norm conversation unless we're adding, say, three or four people at once, and then I'll wait until they're all all joined. But I'm curious, how would you describe what a team norm conversation is? Hmm, It depends, and it depends on how tight-knit the team is and how close
0: they work together. And that's actually something we could cover in another session. But I think historically... It was like, this person prefers to be slacked up until this hour and then texted after this hour. Or this person prefers to have their working hours be this and they're offline after this hour. There was sort of some preferences that people had that were shared there around their communication style or working hours. I'm trying to think what else would have been included. What do you include in a Team Norms doc?
1: Yeah, it's often about how people like to work. Maybe people want to talk about their personality type if they like mm-hmm. <laughs> Myers Briggs or some of these uh, Enneagrams. So it mm-hmm. can be a nice opportunity for people to share. Um, but I think it's also very practical for being able to share as a manager what's important to you. If you're running a customer support team, it may be absolutely critical that everyone lets you know if they're planning to take vacation with at least four weeks of notice so that you can plan on who's gonna cover that time. Mm -hmm. And there might be a very set schedule. For other teams, it may be an expectation, say for an M&A team, that they're gonna work really late hours if they're working on a deal. But then when the deal's over, this is certainly how I feel, they should feel comfortable taking an extended vacation (laughs) because people do need to rest and recharge. So I think it very much varies by team function how much room for flexibility there is and what that can look like. But if you're running a team of engineers or a team of partnerships people, there's often a lot of room for what individuals prefer. And that's, I think, a great time to share those things. Mm -hmm. Great. I think we've
0: covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything else that comes to mind that you think people should keep in mind as they are
1: onboarding remote employees? Yeah, one last area is that I feel that it's important as the manager to be thinking about giving your employees whatever it is that they need to succeed. And often that might be visibility at the right times, coverage at other times. (laughs) But in the category of visibility, um, are there any quick wins that you can help them achieve and then promote those achievements within the rest of the company? So how can you make sure that these people are visible at the right times in the right ways so that they develop those cross-functional relationships and that reputation that will help them down the road. I like it. I like it. All right, great. I think that's a wrap.
0: All right, everybody, that's it for how to onboard remote employees. If you'd like to refer to the notes for this session, check the show notes in whatever app you are using to listen to this. Additionally, if you'd like to be notified of future episodes, make sure to subscribe at www.growthpathlabs.com. Right now, everything is free as we are growing our audience and seeking feedback. On that topic, if you have any ideas for future sessions or would like to share feedback on this one, please feel free to email me at michelle at growthpathlabs.com. Thanks for listening.